What's up, everyone? This is Jason and John, and you're listening to the Jelly Cards Podcast. If you are new to the hobby or new to selling your card collection, this episode will help guide you on the right path. John and I discuss the various selling platforms within this hobby. We at Jelly use a variety of different selling platforms, but each one has a certain reason as to why we use it. From eBay to whatnot, or Instagram to card shows, there are many options for you to use. You just have to find the right one. So sit back, relax, and let's roll that music. Alright, welcome back to Season 2, Episode 2 of the Jelly Cards Podcast, where John and I are spreading the love of the hobby. John, how are we feeling today? I'm feeling good. It's pretty uh it's pretty rainy and gloomy all throughout Chicagoland, but it's it's a good day. It's a perfect day to lie in bed underneath the cover uh covers where it's safe. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Don't go outside. Just yeah. stay in bed. Yeah, stay in bed where it's safe underneath the covers. <laughs> Watching baseball. Yeah. So before we get into the actual topic, I have I have to talk about this because you know how upset I am and how much I was fuming this past weekend. And this is for any of our wrestling fans that listen to this podcast. So for WWE, WrestleMania was this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. The big main event, Roman Reigns versus Cody Rhodes. Uh, if you pay attention to wrestling, obviously Cody Rhodes used to be a wrestler for WWE, left the WWE because he just didn't like the path that he was going on, started his own wrestling company with AEW, left AEW to come back to WWE to be the WWE champion. The whole storyline with him and Roman Reigns was leading up to Basically, Cody was going to finally become a WWE champion. Like that was the whole, what everybody thought the whole point of the storyline was. And on Sunday night, Roman Reigns pinned Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania to retain the title. What really upsets me the most is Roman Reigns has been the champion in WWE for the last three years. Jeez. He's coming up on a thousand days as champion. Wow. Yeah. He has defeated people like, obviously, Brock Lesnar, Cody, John Cena, uh, Goldberg, Sami Zayn. I mean, the list goes on and on of the of the people that he, he's fought. Logan Paul was one of them. It's extremely upsetting to me. And you know just how <laughs> pissed I was when I watched that match and I saw him lose. And I just, I just wanted to talk about it because wrestling – you can also purchase wrestling cards, which I've looked at. I've never purchased a single wrestling card before, but I've looked at a ton, uh, a ton of them. And I was watching a lot of uh, cards being listed this past weekend, which cards were popping off. But I know you watched it too. So give, I, I and I know you, you didn't follow the storyline completely, but you were upset as well. Give me your thoughts on, on what unfolded Sunday night. So uh, I'm definitely not into wrestling nowadays as hardcore as you are. So watching it from my perspective, I 
texted you because we were texting in the group chat. I, I know for sure that it was well past your bedtime. Oh my, I was struggling just to stay up. <laughs> yeah, so I know that you were watching and I know that you were excited to watch it. And I thought that it was a pretty great match. I thought that they they both performed really well. It was an exciting match. Honestly, probably this was probably one of the best main events at WrestleMania ever. Yeah, that's okay. Thank you. That's that's kind of how I felt. I didn't say it in the group chat because I I could tell you were really pissed off and I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to add fuel to your fire. But I was like, dang, this is this is great entertainment, and I was I was enjoying the match and the whole time I was rooting for Cody. I was watching the fight and I'm like, man, Cody, this is like so exciting. Cody's all jacked up every time he like like lands one on Reigns and then he like he counters back and they're fighting back and forth and I was I was excited. And then, um, like I said, I wasn't following the storyline as much as you once once they did their whole little thing where classic WWE for me, somebody lands some sort of cheap shot. The guy comes, the ref comes to, he's, he comes back from his distraction. The guy's on the ground, he gets pinned, and that's the match. It was just like, eh, I was like, all right, whatever. I, I'm upset that Cody lost, but if that's what WWE wants to do. I'm, I'm cool with it. But then I, ju- I jumped to our group chat because I know you were watching and you were just like super ticked off. Like, this is stupid. How long is WWE going to let <laughs> Reigns like keep the title? Cody did all this just to come back and they're not giving him the belt. So, yeah, I was I was kind of surprised by by your messages. And then after that, I jumped to Twitter Twitter was in on your in your corner, so to speak. They're like super pissed off. They're pissed off at Triple H. They're pissed off at Vince McMahon. They don't understand why Cody didn't get the belt. And <laughs> after scrolling through all the the memes and the funny responses, I I guess I I should be upset, but I'm not as upset, which is make might actually make you even more upset. But explain to me and explain to the people who are listening why. You are so angry that Cody is not the new champion of wrestling. So the whole, like I said, the whole point of him coming back to the WWE was, I mean, it was obvious and I get it. And I, I get that. Listen, the WWE nowadays, it's very obvious. You can tell who's going to win a match. You can tell who's going to lose. You can tell, you can almost tell the outcome of a match before it even happens. This whole storyline and this whole Cody Rhodes return and this and he returned last year at Mania when he fought Seth Rollins. So you're talking about an entire year buildup to this point that everybody was assuming Cody was going to win. And what was frustrating the most is because I, for me, I'm like, OK, there has to be something more. There has to be something else in this storyline that has not been told yet because there's no way Cody Rhodes was going to agree to this. If you came back, you came back for a reason. And that has to be because WWE said you're going to be champion at some point. And everybody just assumed it was going to be WrestleMania. But I was I was watching a, a post on TikTok and it was from like a wrestling, kind of like the wrestling podcast. I can't remember the name of the uh of the person who posted it, but they, they said something very, uh, very important in, in the post that kind of clicked to me and made sense. If, if Cody would have won the first time he ever faced Roman, this was the first time him and Roman were, was, were in a match against each other for the title. 
They said if Cody would have won on the first try, it probably wouldn't have been as impressive or as spectacular. Right. And they put it, it's more appealing for Cody to be chasing the title than it is Roman Reigns to try to get it back. And I sat back and I'm like, you know what? That makes sense. And the way Triple H said it in the press conference, after, in the post-conference after it, he said the story isn't over. My only thing is how much longer are we going to sit here and wait? Like how <laughs> yeah. you've already prolonged this storyline. You've already prolonged this bloodline storyline with Roman Reigns. Like I said, it's very obvious. It's been so obvious when people get in a match with Roman at whatever pay-per-view it is that he's going to walk away. And it's typically in the fashion that you saw against Cody where somebody gets you, one of his, the people in his corner get involved in the match and interfere and Roman wins. It's, it's very typical fashion of, of Roman Reigns. And I think a lot of people are starting to get fed up with it. Obviously, there are plenty of Roman Reigns fans out there. But in my personal opinion, like you saw, what I saw as well, I think people are fed up with it. But I guess you got to trust in Triple H and trust in the process and the story writers. And we'll see where it goes. But I, I wanted to just touch base on that a little bit because – it was yeah. It, for anybody, any of those wrestling fans out there, uh, I know uh, my buddy at work. He watches. Uh, he listens to our podcast, and I was texting him a lot. He was very shocked. So I know. It, I know I'm not the only one that thought that was messed up because if he, <laughs> if he agreed with me, then I'm like, okay, this is the. Then I'm okay to be angry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. You are definitely not alone, and I could tell that a lot of people are going through that same thought. And yeah, that's. I'm happy that you found that TikTok or that I'm happy that Triple H said what he said because you're I I said the same thing kinda. I it kind of felt maybe if they did let Cody win, I told you I thought it would have been too obvious because of what you told me that they've been building this story for such a long time and Cody's gonna win. But then you got mad at me when I said that. So I, I kind of shied away. <laughs> I got very mad. Yeah, I said, I felt like if Cody would have won, it would it would have been too obvious because I, I thought he was going to win. I like the whole match, even before the match. Do you remember before the match? I texted you guys and I was like, so Cody's going to win this match, right? There's, there's no reason that I shouldn't have to like stay up and watch. And nobody responded. And then fast forward to the match is over. And I'm like, oh. Okay, I guess Cody is not going to win the match, and then I just got abused and yelled at by Jason. But he has one of the best. He has one of the best entrances in WWE. Like his entrance oh. and entrance music is absolutely amazing. It was like, so cool. Yeah, I was so excited. I felt like a little kid again watching watching my heroes like The Rock just, and Stone Cold. Just download the song because that's one of my go to in the gym. <laughs> nice. I listen. It's called Kingdom. I listen to it like all the time when I'm in the gym. Jason sends a request to his gym. Hey, I'm going to be there in about five minutes. I need you to shut the lights and blast the music when I start walking in. Get the fog machine and I want pyro. Yeah, Yeah, it was was a good match. I thought it was an amazing match. I had a lot of fun watching it. And um, it it made me excited. It made me kind of like, regret that i'm not into wrestling as much as i was when i was a kid yeah and I, it made me want to kind of watch more matches well man you you remember we used to every uh monday every monday night and friday nights we would go to my parents and and watch during the summer when yeah. we were still when we're still like all in school and everything 
It was the best. Yeah, yeah it was so exciting. We, were, we got back into it, and yeah, I mean, I don't, I I try to stay up with it as much as possible. Uh, it's hard keeping up with it just because it's every single week, you know, <laughs> and and you get busy, and I don't, I don't, I'm not able to always watch like every uh, every episode of Raw and SmackDown, but I try to keep up as much as possible, especially for when the pay per views come. But yeah, I just wanted to touch base on that for any of our wrestling fans out there. So I hope you appreciate that, that little tangent we went on. <laughs> and I, I now I need to buy some uh, wrestling cards, though. Yeah, exactly. We need to start talking wrestling card prices. I need I need to buy uh, The Miz, for sure, 100%. <laughs> I need to buy it, The Miz because he's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, there's some other ones. Austin Theory, if you watch the Austin Theory one, he's, he's really good. He's the one that fought John Cena. He's very up and coming. I think wrestling, I think there's a lot of, money to be made in wrestling it's just i don't think people have gotten into it yet okay but but the whole point of this podcast episode is shout out to 727 cards on instagram because they were the one that they messaged us and was like hey here's a potential topic that you guys can talk about on one of your podcast episodes and you and i both agreed we're like oh yeah this is actually a really great idea i think you know it's perfect because it's what they asked us to talk about or brought up to us is to talk about all the different selling platforms that you can uh, list your cards on for selling sports cards, TCG, things like that. And I kind of wanted to lead, I kind of maybe was like, oh, this is like a perfect, almost like selling cards 101 type episode. Yeah. You know, just to break down like the platforms that we use as Jelly, uh, talk about the different platforms, you know, some, you know, because we don't use every platform out there. Obviously, like we said, we're mainly eBay, but I know you've sold, you know, personal cards on like whatnot before. I know you've bought off of Twitter. I don't, have you ever sold one on Twitter? Uh, I think I have actually sold um, like a small, what's it called? A small bulk of cards via Twitter, but most of the time it is buying off of Twitter. Yeah. And I know we so, we've sold, what, a card or two on uh, Instagram. I know you sent a card into Golden once. Yep. Uh. I've I've been lucky enough that I've I sold some card uh, at like card shows that when we've went. So I would just wanted to kind of talk, you know, touch base on some of these platforms and and go over like basically like which ones like the overall best platform. You know, which which one's best for high end cards? Which one do you think is like up and coming? Like is what not up and coming compared to like eBay? And then which platforms do you think we should avoid? So if you want to, I. If you want to go over eBay, because obviously that's our main platform that we use right now for Jelly. Uh, if you just want to kind of go over like, you know, the process of selling on eBay. Yeah. So <clears throat> like you said, I think this is a wonderful topic because it kind of follows up our previous episode pretty nicely. We finally started talking about what players to sell because of their hot markets. And like you said perfectly, for us, most of the time, we are always going to be selling our cards on eBay. The reason that we, as Jelly Cards, decide to sell most of our cards on eBay is because I feel like eBay is the biggest audience that we will ever get for a card. So if you're trying to sell a card based on their current market and how hot you think that market is and how like, um, you're going to have so many people kind of trying to get in on the card as much as possible at all the time, that is why we usually send our cards to eBay and sell them via auction. We've we've talked about 
selling cards like buy now on eBay and just listing the card and kind of waiting out to see if somebody will send an offer. That I feel like is more hit or miss. I think that if you are trying to sell a card that is currently hot on the market and you want to kind of get the most bang for your buck, as a person who's kind of new to the hobby or kind of a low-end seller, I think eBay is your best option. I say that because... Yeah, like you said, uh, we've used so many other platforms. We've done Instagram, we've done Twitter, we've done all the other ones. We'll get into those ones later. But eBay, for people who are new to the hobby and don't have a massive social media following, and when I say massive, I'm saying at least a 1,000 followers, even maybe more than five to 10,000 followers, eBay is your best bet in terms of sports card hobby audience. And... Yeah, I think uh, – what what would you agree? I think that so far eBay has been pretty great to us in terms of getting the market value of your card. Not to we, – we could go on another little tangent like we did on the, the Fanatics Takeover episode where we talked about how many issues we've had with buyers and sellers on eBay. But long story short, if you are trying to get the closest to market value – for your card, I think eBay is, in my opinion, the number one selling platform for the hobby. But uh, what do you think, Jason? What are your thoughts on eBay? So for eBay, here's the thing. First and foremost, for eBay, it's your largest audience that you're going to get. Yes. So you're going to be able, when you list a card, you're going to have thousands and thousands of people that could potentially end up seeing this listing on eBay. And I think that's what's best about ebay is because like i said it's it's your biggest platform in selling because everybody uses ebay you know people just shop on ebay just automatically you know it's like it's just another like it's almost like people shopping on amazon or any of these other places it's just it's a it's always been a main selling and buying platform so i think ebay is definitely your best bet if you're starting off if you can gain up, if you can gain enough of a following, like how Nash Cards does, where he sells a lot of cards through like Instagram, if you could kind of eventually venture away from eBay, I think that's even better. But I don't think it, you you can just start off right away because we've attempted to also sell more cards on Instagram and we've just not been able to sell them. And like you said, it's 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 a it's different than putting up an auction and letting the auction go seven days. I mean, if you do a buy now on, on eBay or you post a card on Instagram as like a, Hey, you want to buy this card? Yeah. You might be sitting a long time. I mean, we, we had our uh, first edition shadow as Venusaur on our jelly page for, I mean, I don't even know how long it was sitting there. Yeah. I feel like it was at least two years, maybe. Yeah, and that was and that was at a buy now, but that's because we there was a certain price that we wanted for it, and that's the risk you take when you send it to auction. When you send it to auction, you're you're letting the faith of the or the fate of your card rest in the hands of the people who are bidding on it, and it could undersell, it could oversell. But you know, if there's certain cards that you were like, hey, no, this is what I want for the card, or this is what you know I need back for it buy now options are good it's just you're gonna wait a, you could end up waiting a long time absolutely but Amazing point. like like we said though in, in previous episodes though 
you also take a risk with eBay because unfortunately there's a lot of scammers out there. There's, you know, some just not trustworthy uh, buyers who are trying to either shill bid or they're trying to, or, you know, or they, they end up bidding on a card. And like we said before, come up with some crazy excuse as to why they can't pay for it. And then, you know, and now you're sitting there like trying to work with eBay to get this, you know, uh, refund and blah, blah, blah. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's a pain in the butt sometimes, but still, I think, I think for us, for jelly going forward, even if we gained enough of a, a following that we can get away from eBay, I'm pretty sure we would probably still use it. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point. I'm happy that you said all, of the, all the things you just said, because the reason that Jason and I are talking about Starting off with eBay when you don't have that many followers on Instagram or Twitter or any other social media platform, the reason that you use eBay is because you want to get the most market value for your card. The other reason that we keep saying that eventually we would like to get away from eBay is because of the seller fees. It's it's getting it's kind of super frustrating to be honest. So say for example, we sell a card for a thousand dollars. We sell a PSA ten for one thousand dollars. Buyer pays, we ship the card, everything's good to go. eBay has worked in like not only the taxes, which is also very important. If you're running a business, you got to make sure you have like your taxes in order. They have that. They also have like eBay selling fees and they also make, you can make the buyer quote unquote pay for the shipping. But at the end of the day, we've like calculated it and it kind of cancels out. eBay says that the buyer pays for the shipping. But once you once they pay for the shipping after the fees and you print the label, it kind of just becomes a wash in terms of uh, who really paid for the shipping. So say we have this card listed and it sells for $1,000. After the fees, after printing the shipping label, all the things that go into you shipping the card, you're looking at maybe 800 bucks, 800 to 840 850 if you're lucky. Because we've learned along the way that the eBay fees and the taxes and everything involved with using eBay, they cut a huge chunk out of your final sale price. And we as Jelly still tend to lean towards eBay because if you are selling on Instagram or Twitter or any other social media platform, you're running into a huge wave of hobbyists who refuse to put to pay market price. So if we list the card on, say the card is worth $1,000, we sell it on eBay for $1,000. If we listed that card on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook even, people are going to say, hey, I saw that card sold recently for $1,000. I'm a hobbyist. I want to buy that card at like, people love to use the word comp. I'm going to buy that card at 70% of comps so I can sell it at 90% of comps. Like I want to buy that card off of you for $700 so I can sell it for $900 and I can make my little little room for profit. So yeah, it's it's kind of a a two-edged sword, but if you're just starting out in the hobby, we strongly recommend using eBay because like Jason and I said, it's your largest audience you'll ever get for your card and it'll get you closest to your market value. But it's a good transition because the reason that we would love to switch over to Instagram and Twitter and other social media platforms is because you cut out those major eBay fees. Like, I don't know what you think, Jason, but uh, we always recommend if you are buying or selling 
like I've said before, you need to have protection. You need yeah. to have some sort of buyer and seller protection. Unless you get to the point, like, <laughs> this is kind of like a small little plug. If you can work with somebody that you trust, like, I feel like 727 Cards, I, we've kind of formed a relationship with them. Um, like, somebody you can trust, you could potentially start dealing without goods and services or any sort of protection. But even then, like, you, you need to have some sort of protection. And using Instagram or Twitter, we would use those platforms as an area to list the card. But when it comes to selling, I think we agree, Jason, that we would use PayPal or Venmo that offers a goods and services protection. But yeah. kind of elaborate on that a little bit and how you would how would you go about say we get to the point where we have five thousand to ten thousand followers on Jelly? How would we go about selling a card on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook as opposed to eBay and dealing with the fees? So I would almost kind of save eBay for like your big ticket items. So I would say, you know, for any of like these, I'm, I'm, I would say like if you're looking at like a thousand dollar plus card or something like that, you almost kind of want to list that on eBay because you want to utilize that bigger audience because you, you want that card to sell even higher than what you're, you know, than what you're kind of comparing the other market, you know, the market to. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a good way to kind of u- utilize a little bit of both. Like, you know, I always go, I always bring up, you know, Nash cards and how successful he is when he lists his cards, you know, he will like one day he'll lit, he'll post, what like almost like five to like 10 cards on his page. And he always gives such a good price. You know, it's always below market price. Mm-hmm. And Hey, if you, if you want the card person, just, you know, you type in sold and boom, he gets the info. Bada bing, bada boom, you're done. You know what I mean? And so I think that would be an awesome way to do it. And, and like I said, we, you know, we have attempted to do it before, but again, you might end up waiting like Nash cards. He has a, a very large following. So some of his cards, the moment he posts, they're gone. Yep. You know, there's sometimes I'm like, oh, hey, he posted cards. Let me go look. And half of them are already sold. <laughs> yeah, me and, too. So, and sometimes they're they're good deals. And you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe I missed out on that. You know, so it's quick. And it would be awesome if we can get to that point. Because, like you said, I would love to eventually get away from eBay because especially of those eBay fees. It, it, what is it? Is it still at like 12.9? No, it's even worse. So like it's it's pushing almost 20% when it comes to the fees wow. and the shipping and everything. Yeah, I think it was 15 or 16 before or like 13 between 13 to 16 range, but now it's just getting it's getting really frustrating. That's yeah, that that's a lot more than I than I thought it was. And that's and that's my whole point. It's like look at how much, you know, because listen, like eBay's trying, you know, they're a selling platform. They're of course they're they're allowing you to use their business in order to sell your own product, but of course they want a cut of it. Yeah, absolutely. You know. So there's places like so yeah, it's it's great if you can use your own social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter that you can utilize those, but you have to have the following to do it. Because if you don't, yeah, I mean, I've like, I've been doing in that, uh, did you know, series on Instagram, I've had people reach out about these cards, I'm not even listing them. I'm just posting some of our cards in the collection, just as like content. And I've had people reach out and be like, Oh, are you selling that card? 
Yes. You know, so it can happen. It's just, you know, the more you post and you gain a following, the more you might end up getting those buyers that are looking to buy off of these social media platforms. But um, why don't you talk about Whatnot, though? Because Whatnot's, is, that's a, like, that's a newer platform, right? I mean, within the last, what, year or two that it's come out? Yeah, absolutely. So I've explained it to you guys and Jelly, and I'm going to try my best to explain it for people who are kind of new to that hobby, or even if you are long-term members of the hobby, we can talk about whatnot. So whatnot, God, this is, it's going to be tough to do this episode because I'm going to go on so many tangents. <laughs> whatnot is essentially a live auction website. So I'm going to kind of run through my, I think the best way for me to explain it is to give examples. So I'm going to give an example. So let's say I have a stack of 10 slabs. All of them are graded. Like, let's say each slab is worth $20. What not works is you have to go live, live to sell your product. And you kind of upload your quote unquote shop in, in whatnot when you're ready to sell. So I'm going to set up my live. I'm going to schedule my live for tomorrow. My live is going tomorrow at 5 p.m. Tomorrow comes. It's 5 p.m. I loaded my whatnot shop with the 10 slabs. I start my live. And then people literally come into your live session and they are prepared to bid on or buy your product. So I, I put the first card on the screen. I start the auction. You can set it at whatever starting price you want. And then people just go to work, go to, go to town on how they want to purchase the card. It's, it's extremely fun. I actually do enjoy it, but it's like as a seller, I want to put this out there as like a huge warning. It's really, really difficult for you to get the true value of your card on whatnot until you get to the point where you have, again, thousands of followers. So, for example, in my example, if I have a $20 slab, it's worth $20. You can start the auction at $20, but I can almost guarantee you that if you don't have like 4,000 or 5,000 followers, which leads to you having like a hundred people watching your live, you are not going to get anybody to bid on that $20 slab. You kind of have to go through the growing pains of starting all of your auctions at $1 on whatnot. And people who are going to come into your live, if they see that $1 and they bid $1 and it goes through the time and nobody else bids, they get that slab for $1. So it's, it's super risky as a seller, but to be completely honest, I'm starting to really enjoy whatnot, but it's like I said, I'm going to go on so many tangents because there's so many stories out there now that people are doing whatnot sales and they're honest to God, they are stealing cards from people who win them because like I've said, I'm not defending them at all. This is like, well, we've talked about it many times in jelly in our group chat. This is like the worst people in the hobby. If you agree to, if you are agreeing to sell your card on a platform, you need to be willing to accept whatever sale price you get, no matter what. There is no reason ever for you to back out on any sort of sale, unless the buyer like disappears off the face of the earth and you have no choice but to keep the card. Yeah. So what I'm getting at is, people are getting so upset with their whatnot market. Like I said, if I have a slab worth twenty twenty bucks. And I sell it on whatnot. Some sellers on whatnot are be like, yeah, I don't even, I don't care that you want. I'm not sending you this card. I'm keeping the card. I'm going to sell it on a different platform. So you kind of got to, you, you got to be careful as a buyer on whatnot. But as a seller, 
I have told you guys, I recommend whatnot for people who are in the hobby to dump as many bulk cards as possible. Like, say you have a good chunk of refractor Bowmans, or you have a good chunk of first Bowman paper cards that you don't really, you don't have the time or the interest to kind of invest in them anymore. I recommend getting on whatnot and starting a live and just auctioning off lots of cards, starting at a dollar, just to like, this is my clearing inventory sale. Come take whatever you want for as for any value you want. I think that's a good way to kind of get involved in whatnot and gain a following. That's what I was trying to do for us on Jelly Cards. I was just selling off tons of personal personal cards that I had sitting in my shoe shoe row boxes, and it's it's. I feel like I've been talking for a really long time, but whatnot. Long story short, in my opinion, it is a great place for people who are new to the hobby and want to dump a huge bulk of cards that you don't have the time to list individually. And I think it's it's becoming a really great platform for breaks because yeah. mm-hmm. I know that you've seen them. I've recommended you guys to join me on some of them. Yeah, whatnot has become the the really hot place for people to run breaks like. Another example, sorry, Jason, I'm talking for such a long time. (laughs) Another example is one of one. One of one card shop was strictly on Instagram, but now they are shifting their entire selling platform to whatnot. They would, they, let's say they have three boxes of 2022 Bowman. They're going to start each individual team in that three box break at $1. And they're going to start the live. They're going to be like, hey, we want to get rid of this 2022 Bowman. We are selling each team at $1. Have at it. And they go through. They sell all the teams. They run the break. And then they just rinse and repeat. And so, again, it's it's a really exciting platform to be a part of as a buyer. But if you're going to whatnot as a seller, please be careful. Because if you have a card that's valued, in my opinion, anywhere over $100, I would kind of shy away from a place like whatnot. I would only use whatnot for major stack sales, as people call them, or major um, individual card sales. And I would save those higher ticket items, like Jason said, for eBay, where you can get a much larger audience. You're putting yourself at a huge risk if you run a live on whatnot as a new seller and you only have like 10 followers and you're selling your entire collection to only five people. You're not letting, you're not taking advantage of the massive market your card has because you're starting a whatnot live and you're selling it out to only a small group of people. But let, let me ask you then, when you were talking about those, those, uh, those sellers on, on whatnot who refuse to send these cards off, does whatnot have something in place that like, that kind of combats somebody like that? Like, can, can you as the buyer reach out to whatnot and be like, Hey, uh, this person's refusing to send me this card. Like clearly you have the live and you can see it. Like, yes. Do they have something in place that can kind of help that? So previously, honestly, there was like, there was nothing. They, it's whatnot is so new that they like kind of, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt they would just kind of be like, okay, I'm sorry, we will refund you the cost and we'll refund you the shipping you paid. Because by the way, if you are a buyer on whatnot, gosh, dang it, this is so, it's so tough to talk about this because there's so much to explain. If the card ends at $5, you pay that $5 and then you also pay shipping as a buyer. 
automatically. That's another like small little caveat or small little tangent we can go on because right away you get paid as a seller, no matter what. Like say the listing ends at $5, the, it shows up on your screen like payment went through, payment is done, that's it. So <clears throat> prior to, to answer your question, Jason, prior to recent events that have been taking place on whatnot, whatnot usually would just be like, hey, I'm sorry, um, we there's nothing we can really do. We're going to refund you the, the cost for the card that you won, and then we're going to refund you the shipping. But I think recently, because of what's been going on, Whatnot is starting to save the lives that happen. They're starting to save the lives, and they're starting to kind of, uh, they came out with what's called like the Whatnot Watch. <laughs> the handy booty with the high hands <laughs> they have like uh they have people in the lives who work for whatnot now and they're just kind of making sure that people are um running their sales ethically and they have people who are going to be kind of just watching over each live to make sure that hey if you sold the card for five dollars you sold the card for five dollars you have to send it to the buyer and uh from what i was reading whatnot is saying like we can't really force anybody to do it, but we are trying to find a way to get you the value of the card that you were trying to purchase. So they're working on it. It's really difficult for them to kind of enforce any sort of strict rules, but it's, I want it to, I want people to kind of take what I'm about to say as like the biggest blanket statement for any sort of buying and selling you have to do some sort of research and you have to buy and sell with people that you trust. And that's why I, I shouted out one of one because I spent, I spent so much time and money investing in one of one uh, Instagram breaks that I like, I follow them almost. They're like one of the few people that I joined breaks with and the members that were a part of their team that kind of ventured off like medalist breaks. You have to find people that you trust because you have to be, you have to, be safe in terms of buying and selling. You have to be secure. Like if I pay for a card, I'm going to get it. Mm-hmm. And if I sell a card, I'm going to sell it to somebody I trust and they're going to pay for it. But it's, I'm happy that we're talking about it because there's so many platforms to kind of summarize it. I would only use whatnot as a sort of a unload a massive amount of inventory and just kind of, I'm happy to let these cards go. I will take whatever I can get. I'm going to start a live and I'm going to let the auction run. Yeah. So that's actually a, a good transition too, because you brought up a good point uh, about, okay, yeah, I, I'm only going to use whatnot for these like large bulk like um, sales. And if you're talking about a card that's over $100, you're probably going to use another platform. Let's talk about like a, a very high end market. You know, I'm talking thousand dollar plus, maybe even like getting into like the five figures. What would you what would you recommend? I mean, if you're sitting here with a five figure card and you're looking to sell, are you listing that card on eBay or are you gonna try? Because I know like like we said earlier, you've used golden before. Are you gonna list or put this card up for auction on like a like a Heritage Golden PWCC? Like, if in your opinion, if you had a five figure card, are you using eBay or are you going to one of these bigger auctions? 
So that's that's a really tough question. That's a that's a question that I hope people who are listening to this podcast, I hope you can answer as well, because I would love to hear some other obvious opinions. But you are you are correct. I've used Golden before. Um, I had a card that I at the time I thought it was worth like at least a few thousand dollars. I was prepared to sell it on Golden and hopefully get a few thousand dollars. But to answer your question quickly and immediately. I'm starting to lean towards using my own eBay. Really? I know that's mm. yeah, I know that's pretty crazy to say, but um the only time so it's yeah, it's tough. It's difficult because if you're not if you've never sold on eBay, you get kind of a limit to how much you can sell for per month. But if you've sold on eBay a long time, they kind of increase how much you can sell your items for. So unless the card is worth honestly like at least 10 grand, I would probably use my own eBay because from what I'm, I'm hoping other hobbyists who listen to this podcast can kind of weigh in and agree with me. Golden heritage PWCC. Those, I think, I think we can all agree are like the top three auction sites and consignment websites that people use. They promote only their most expensive or like highest valued cards yeah in their auctions. Like if you have a card that's worth $3,000, Golden will take it. They will happily accept the the consignment and take the card for you and list it on their, on their site. But it happened to me and I've seen other people talk about it as well. Your card that you give them kind of gets lost. It gets lost in the huge ocean of massive cards that golden is selling and promoting well and you also in order to use golden the card has to sell they have to believe the card's going to sell for over a thousand dollars yes exactly so good point when when i dropped off the card at golden uh they only accept consignments for cards that are value valued at at least one thousand dollars that may have changed Uh, i don't want to speak for golden Uh, if golden has changed that then by all means reach out to golden i'm i'm not bashing them i'm just trying to give people in the hobby who are new to the hobby with high valued cards. I just want you to kind of be, have as much information as possible. I know that golden runs amazing auctions and they have so many incredible cards. I've seen so many cards on golden where I'm just like, Oh my God, I would kill to have this card. I mean, record breaking cards, except especially with PWCC too, because PWCC used to sell all their cards on eBay. Yep, exactly. And then eBay accused them of shill bidding, and PWCC was like, "Hey, that's cool. We're leaving anyways." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they went and started their own, like they have their own business now, their own website and everything. And they're um, and they've been doing a lot of auctions, and they've been getting some record breaking sales on there. And obviously, with Heritage, you're talking some of the best vintage cards you can get and see. So. But let me ask you this then too. If you're choosing, if you're, cho- if you're looking more towards eBay, aren't you, wouldn't you be a little bit more skeptical that like, uh, that, that card might not sell on eBay or at least that, that card might not be paid for versus like, Hey, I have this five figure card and I'm gonna give it to golden or I'm gonna give it to heritage. Like, wouldn't you have more trust that that card will be paid for? on one of those auction sites versus on eBay, because that, that's my, that would be my concern. I'm like, Hey, I got this five figure card. Oh, wow. Cool. It just sold for 12, 12 grand on, on eBay. And the buyer didn't pay. 
<laughs> and then I resell it and it, it maybe only goes for like eight grand. Yes. Okay. That is a great question and a great point. Thank you for bringing it up. So the benefit to answer your question, yes, I am very worried. I am very worried selling on eBay under my own thing, under my own like uh, ID or whatever, because of what you just said. I'm worried that the card's going to sell for a close to market value and the buyer's not going to pay. The benefit to answer Jason's question, the benefit of using these auction websites like Heritage, Golden, and PWCC, I can only speak for Golden because it's the only one I've ever used. Golden handles all of that stress. You, All you really have to do is give the card to Golden. Yep. Mm-hmm. They list it. They have a, they charge what's called a buyer's premium. They basically make certain that these buyers are going to pay up and they almost have buyers sign like some sort of contract saying you are going to pay. And on top of that, you are going to pay a buyer's premium so that we can handle like shipping and taxes and all that kind of stuff. So the beauty of using golden, I'm assuming it's the same for PWCC and heritage. I'm hoping somebody who's listening, who's used those before can kind of weigh in on that. The beauty of using golden and PWCC and heritage is that you give your card to them and they handle all of the potential stress of people not quote unquote paying or not going through with their purchase. So yes, Jason, that's a phenomenal point. I am worried about having to deal with somebody not paying and having to relist it and kind of figure out what I'm going to do. If I'm going to hold on to it, move on to selling it at a show or selling it at an auction website. I'm worried about all that, but after going through what I went through with my like two $3,000 card that only sold for like close to a thousand, yeah. I'm I'm calling a willing I'm willing to take that risk and dealing with eBay and all of that stuff by myself so that I can get closer to market value because I really feel like the card that I sold on the auction website the like consignment website kind of got lost in the shuffle and not it was also poor timing too because it got postponed by a month. Yeah, exactly. You know, we so dropped, it, it uh, was, it was, it was kind of, kind of. It was tough. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, so then let me ask you too, because if you're if you're looking like you, you keep talking, I I keep hearing you saying you you want market value, you want market value. So uh, for you personally, would you kind of avoid like? Would you would you ever sell a card like in person or would you try to avoid that? Like I'm talking like if you're at like a card uh, like a card show or a card shop, I mean because you gotta understand like if you're because I've done it too and uh, recently when when we were at the Chicago uh, Spectacular, I sold some cards there to some of the vendors there. You're clearly getting way under market value, but you have to understand that, right? You have to understand that you're not gonna get market value. When you're selling to a, another buyer who who's uh, who's going to then turn around and sell it themselves, you know you you have to go mm-hmm. in it. You have to go into the mindset of, I okay, this is what I could get on eBay. Let me basically knock off X amount of money, and yep. then this is what I think the card's going to be worth. Yes. Like, are you are are you a person that you would? prefer to sell on ebay versus like hey this card show's coming up i'm gonna save all these cards 
and I'm going to try to sell them at this, you know, at this card show, or I'm going to bring them to my local card shop and maybe even do like a consignment or something. Or, I mean, what, what's your take on that? Because, you know, we've, we were just talking about that recently in our, our group chat, Eric and I, about we have some cards that we're, we're kind of holding on to because the next card show we go to, we want to bring them, whether if that's we have our own table or we're going as as buyers. Right. So, <clears throat> God, another great question. And to answer it. It's this. It's like I'm interviewing you. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> honestly I'm, I'm feeling a lot of pressure. These, these lights are getting hot. I'm sweating. I like... um. To answer it, ah, uh, God, this is like this. This episode can go on for four hours because it's so difficult to talk about everything. Yeah. The only my by far by like the farthest possible, my favorite place to buy and sell is going to be at card shows. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. yes, you make up. You make a very good point. I keep talking about market value, and if you want to get the closest to market value. By all means, you have to use eBay or some sort of online platform. But like using a $1,000 card example again, if I can sell that $1,000 card at a show straight up for cash, no fees, no issues with buyers, nobody telling me that they like, oh, I never got this card. I want a refund. I want to like, I'm opening a case with eBay, blah, 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 blah. No dealing with USPS, losing it in the mail. No dealing with any sort of any sort of outside stress. I will take it. I will definitely take less market value selling at a show, right there, right in person. Yeah, yeah, no, no issues, no complaints, no fraud potential. I will absolutely sell it at a show. And to answer your question again, uh, I don't even know what what I'm saying anymore. I've talked for so long. <laughs> <laughs> I would. I would always look to sell my cards at a card show if I yeah, can. Yeah, me too. I agree. But, but I yelled at you guys because I was upset because I, I texted you guys and I said, for the cards that you have and the cards that I have, there are times where your market is the hottest it could possibly be. Like, for example, Jordan Walker and Anthony Volpe. If I have Jordan Walker and Anthony Volpe cards, I am selling them on eBay right now because I know that their market is extremely hot. I'm not willing to... Like you have to, if you're listening to this podcast episode, you have to decide it for yourself. If I have an Anthony Volpe card that's worth $3,000 right now, am I willing to risk waiting for a card show if and letting that card market price dip extremely? Like, am I willing to wait two to three months for a card show or even <laughs> two to three days, two to three weeks for a card show yeah. And letting that market disappear. And that's why I got upset with you guys. Because <laughs> I was just like, what happens if, if the market for your cards is is gone? What happens if you lose your market? And then you turn around and you're like, oh, yeah, that, that's happened like already. That's happened, <laughs> that's happened like 20 times already. And I was so upset because I'm just like, yeah, it's 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 up to you. Uh, honestly, I, I honestly I do it because I had so much fun the last time when we were at the spectacular, and I was actually able to sell some of my own personal cards to uh, to two different vendors there. I sold some Pokemon cards. That it was it made me go, man. Screw eBay. I want to do this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this. That's nah. that's that's my point. Of, like it was so much fun being able to engage with these other vendors and. You know, because like I said on previous episodes, we would walk up to tables and they were asking us if we were 
looking to sell some cards. You know, so I think it's it's a great way to uh, engage with other hobbyists. And like you said, like us and Jelly, we want to give we want to give you great deals too. You know, we're not sitting here like obviously on eBay we want the most for our cards, right? But yes. when we have our own tables at a card show, we're not upcharging these cards. We're not, you know, we're not pricing them right at what eBay's telling us or whatever we think the market. It's always going to be this is what the market is. Let's knock it down a couple notches and then let's sell the card, you know, because, hey, this this is all about making like it's it's all about engaging with other hobbyists, making deals, wheeling and dealing <laughs> and 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 promoting the love of the hobby. Right. Like that's that's what we do, you know. Yes. And that's why I and yeah, it's why I have I mean, I don't know for me. I kind of go back and forth. It's like, yeah, I, I should be listening a lot of my own personal cards on eBay, but. Then a card show comes up or we, and we have a table and I want to have the most out there. I mean, here's the thing. When it comes down to it, like we've talked about, when, if you're selling on like the social media platforms, it, it really depends on the on the following you have too. like if you have enough of a following and enough of an inventory where you can save your cards, where you kind of don't need those those key times in the market to sell then yeah you can kind of sell whenever you know if you're new to the hobby and you only have a few cards and you and you're you know those key moments to sell or is what you need in order to profit and make money and get x amount of money back for your card then yeah i would use ebay but if you're at a point where you can kind of just be like hey we can sell a jordan walker card even in the off season and i'm still okay with it then honestly i me personally i would I would love to just sell at card shows. Um, but that's kind of what I, I would love to like, just be at shows where we can have, you know, on a regular basis where we can have a table and be able to sell our cards there and get away from eBay. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with everything you said. 1000%. It's like I said, you, you hit, you hit the nail on the head. Once again, it's the engagement. It's the whole, like, you know what? Would I love to have a thousand dollars from eBay? Absolutely. But do I want to deal with the stress and the fees and the taxes and all this other stuff that I have to deal with? Or can I be happy like talking to somebody and making a new friend and selling them the card for a few like a hundred dollars less? Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, I like I said previously, there's no other way. If, if I could go to a card sh- show and sell my cards every weekend, I would love to do it. I would do it like nonstop. I would do it for a living. But like you, like you said very well, if you can't afford to do something like that and you don't have that many cards, you don't have that kind of inventory, you, you kind of got to decide for yourself what you want to do. Do you want to wait? Do you want to wait for a card show? Do you want to try ebay do you want to try listing a card on your instagram or twitter or facebook and kind of letting it ride out it's it's tough it's really really tough and it's it's all part of the it's all part of the learning process to be honest because like i hit on before before we before we ever formed jelly i never sold a single card i know that people are going to listen to this podcast and think i'm insane or think i'm lying but it's true i used to just always it's it's true (laughs) <laughs> it's a hundred percent true. I used to go to card shops. I would buy up cards. 
I would just keep them in my collection and I'd just be happy. I would just live my life happy and stress-free. But now jelly formed and I'm kind of exposed to all these insane modern cards markets and vintage cards markets, ripping wax, joining breaks, all this whole huge hobby involvement. And now I'm like, I'm trying to, it's, I had to learn along the way, the best way to sell my cards, to sell jelly cards. And I think we've, we've touched on some, but there's so many more. I've Facebook. I don't know if you've ever been on Facebook, Jason, in terms of the cards market. I I got rid of my Facebook back in like 2014. Yeah. But Facebook is another social media platform that I feel like is really, really popular. I've, I've joined so many Facebook breaks and this is a shout out to Marv cards. He was a, a coworker who also is in the hobby and he told me to get involved on Facebook. But Facebook is another example that you can kind of get into, and especially for breaks and individual cards. Nash cards has also shifted over to Facebook from time to time for hmm. selling slabs and things like that. Every There's so many platforms for you as a seller in the hobby to take advantage of. But in terms of like the best advice I could give you, if you are dead set on getting market value for your card, I strongly recommend creating an eBay account, listing some cards, building up your eBay feedback, get yourself a good eBay reputation, and then just kind of keep the keep the wheels turning, keep churning out individual cards, uh, slabs, even running breaks if you can on eBay, building up that reputation because that is always going to be your biggest audience. Yeah. And one final thing that we can touch on Jason is the shipping because it's like I think I'm, I'm exposing both of you clowns you, you guys are afraid of dealing with shipping when it comes to eBay so that's why you're kind of also steering clear of dealing with eBay because you don't want to handle shipping a card and somebody gets the card and they're like oh my god you shipped this horribly the card came damaged blah blah blah, blah. Yep. I want to return it so when it comes to shipping, I, you can attest to this as well, Jason. In my opinion, if you're going to list on eBay, strongly recommend you have the buyer pay for shipping. Because yeah. mm-hmm. if you ship your card properly, not only is it going to like you're be, you're basically having the buyer pay for your service, assuming you ship the card properly. And I'm going to do like a quick rundown on how you should ship your card. So slab or regular card raw card if it's a raw card you need to put it in a penny sleeve you need to put that penny sleeve in a top loader you need to seal that top loader in a team bag sometimes people don't like team bags that's fine it's up to you you need to put some sort of protectant over the top of the top loader not only so the card does not slip out but also to prevent any sort of dust or any sort of dirt or any sort of damage or anything getting into that slit and affecting the the condition of the card so raw card you have it in the penny sleeve top loader sealed in a team bag once you have that how we do it here at jelly uh, thanks again to my trial and error and just me kind of going through the motions as a seller and buyer of sports cards we put that card inside like a tiny bubble packet like a bubble mailer packet we put it inside the bubble mailer packet. We wrap that card around that bubble mailer packet. We seal that off. And then another layer of protection. We sandwich that card between two pieces of cardboard. 
two pieces of cardboard. I've <laughs> back in the in the day when jelly first formed, I used to spend like hours cutting up old cardboard boxes, old mm-hmm. Amazon boxes, and getting the right size cardboard so that I can sandwich our cards and send them out protected. But I finally like said to hell with that. I'm just gonna pay for these like pieces of cardboard that you can buy on Amazon. So I bought those. You sandwich the card in between, like you have the card inside the pendulously top loader team bag inside that bubble wrap. You sandwich that bubble wrap between two pieces of cardboard. You use painter's tape. Always, always, always use painter's tape. Sometimes I I drift from that, but never, ever, ever put any sort of scotch tape or anything other than painter's tape on a top loader or anything card related. You put painter's tape around those two pieces of cardboard so that you can kind of secure the sandwich. You put the sandwich in the the bubble mailer, the bubble envelope, and you ship it off. Same thing goes for a, a slab. It's just instead of like the penny sleeve and things like that, we seal our slabs in the graded card sleeves. We put the slab in the graded card sleeve, graded card sleeve slabbed inside the bubble wrap, bubble wrap sandwich between two pieces of cardboard, painter's tape to seal the cardboard to make sure that it's just not like flying around inside there. You put the sealed card and all that inside the bubble mailer and you ship it out. It's a lot of work, but please, please, please trust me. It, it works wonders for your reputation in the hobby. Like there was a time where I still do it. I like, I write little notes telling the buyer, thank you for the purchase and thank you for like paying so quickly because we've dealt with people who don't pay. Here's our socials. Here's the, here's at jelly cards and people appreciate the good packaging that you offer. And it makes them want to come back to you as a mm-hmm. seller Yep. Be- because they're Jason. I'm sure you can attest to it. When I first started buying off of eBay many times, I would get a card that was like damaged in delivery. Mm-hmm. The card comes, it's, it was, you could tell it was originally in a top loader. It's outside the top loader. It's just like floating around and bouncing oh, I've got, around. I've got, I've received them in a white envelope and just a penny sleeve and the envelope was bent. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, just my final point point here. There are so many platforms that you can take advantage of as a seller. And when you finally do sell a card, I've told you guys, and I'm going to tell the people who are listening to the podcast, ship the card out how you would want to receive it. Ship the card out protected and secured how you would want your card to be shipped, especially if you're buying raw mm-hmm. or even slabs because people, people hate getting chip slabs or crack slabs or anything like that. So that's just my my final point before before I kind of like close this out. Jason, any final words or kind of ideas of your your opinions on the selling market and the selling platforms? Yeah, so I just wanted to go over uh, and just give me just just one word answer. We'll we'll both give our one word answer. So, which platform do you think is the overall best one? Just one word. Which one? <sighs> overall best. That's you can't say that. What do you mean by best? Like which one? Like if you had to choose between all of these different platforms, if you if I if you were to say, hey, you online you only can so yeah, you can only you can only use one of these platforms to sell your cards. Which one's it gonna be? I'm going eBay. Yeah, me too. Uh, which one do you think is best for the high end cards? Okay, I will pick eBay and consignment no you can only pick one. Oh my god okay ebay 
Uh, see, I'm I'm going with like one of the auctions ones. I'm going with Heritage Golden or PWCC for the high end. Um, which platform do you think is up and coming? So, which platform do you think is is going to eventually become like a close to like an eBay where people are using it constantly? Honestly, right now, I think whatnot. I want to do a small little plug for loop because uh one of my friends tyler on instagram who also is into cards he got me onto loop but to keep it one word whatnot uh, so i was gonna go with social media dang like instagram yeah. and twitter and yeah. facebook mm -hmm. yeah and then what platform do you think you should avoid like what what do you think that like you sh people shouldn't use okay that's also very tough um if you're new to the hobby, ah, dang it. I guess right now I'm going to go, honestly, I'm going to go with Twitter for now. See, I was going to go with whatnot. Yeah, whatnot is honestly, it's like, it's very up and coming, but I right now I'm very scared to use it as a buyer. So it, it was between Twitter and whatnot. So it's, it's tough. It's really tough. Yeah. So that was that was my last little bit. I just wanted to hear your answers. Okay. All right. So thank you, everybody who listened to this podcast. I'm going to do my best to kind of close this out as quickly as possible. But I want to summarize things so that people who are listening to this can understand what platforms are available to you and which ones you can use in the hobby. So if you are trying to sell your cards, which by all means, I recommend you do that, don't get the John from Jelly Cards disease. Do not just buy up cards and never sell them because it's not going to be that much fun. It's going to be it's going to be amazing, but you're just digging yourself a really deep hole. If you are trying to sell your cards and you want the most market value for your card, strongly recommend going through eBay. It's a pain in the butt to deal with sometimes because you have people who are going to complain or are going to make up some sort of false accusations, but at the end of the day, most of the time, it's going to be a great experience and you are going to sell your card for a really good price. Mm -hmm. If you are new to the hobby and you have a bunch of cards you just want to unload, strongly recommend looking into some of these live streaming services like Whatnot, where you can set up a live, you can sell off a huge boatload of cards, and you can make a little bit of money back. Once you get to the point, you are using you are using eBay not only for your own like personal uh, feedback and gain of uh, publicity, but you are using eBay to kind of until you can build your social media platform. If you can get into the, the tens of thousands of followers range or thousands of followers range, like 727 cards, and you can finally switch over to selling your cards on social media, I strongly recommend it. Use it as long as you have uh, like a PayPal or a Venmo that offers a goods and services so you can sell your cards with protection and you may not get market value but you're going to sell your card to a like trusted buyer or seller at a lower fee rate like you will sell your card uh, you'll sell your $1,000 valued card for about $900 you'll pay a little bit you'll pay less fees than if you sold it on eBay and you will be able to still make money on that card and then, finally, if you are somebody out there who has cards that are worth 
pushing $100,000 to a million dollars, I personally recommend you look into using some sort of consignment platform because you are starting to enter a significant amount of money. And Mm -hmm. that amount of money, in my opinion, I don't want to have to deal with any sort of stress when it comes to somebody flaking on on a purchase, somebody claiming that they never got the card like if i sold a card for a hundred thousand dollars and somebody claims they never got it i do not want to deal with that i would much rather give that card to a consignment service they deal with all of that they make their their buyers pay a premium and you eventually just get your check in the mail but again like i said previously this podcast episode could honest to god be four to five hours because there's so many little caveats that you learn along the way. There's so many issues that you have to deal with as a seller and a buyer, and it's tough navigating it once you're new to the hobby. But if I had any sort of advice to give anybody out there who's just starting, strongly recommend you get your eBay page up and running because like Jason and I said, that is by far going to be your biggest hobby audience that you will get when you're just starting out in the hobby. So, Take it, take that information as however you want to. If you are in the hobby and you're listening to this podcast, trust me, I already know, but please tell us anyway. Let us know what platforms that you are using that we did not talk about or the platforms that you currently use that we are talking about. And just let us know your experience. Let us know your experiences. We can kind of share them with the people who listen to our podcast and kind of interact with one another and talk about the things we like and we don't like. And As always, thank you all very much for listening. The hobby is an amazing place to be a part of as a buyer and a seller. But if you've, I hope that you enjoyed this podcast episode and you learned some things. If you have any questions or concerns, reach out to us at Instagram. We are at Jelly Cards. Twitter, we are at Jelly Cards. TikTok, we are Jelly underscore Cards. We do have a whatnot, like Jason said. If you ever want to interact with us on there, you can message us there too. It's also at Jelly Cards. J-E-L-I-C-A-R-D-S. Thank you all very much. Hope we have an amazing week, an amazing weekend. Have fun selling your sports cards and TCG cards and all these platforms. And as always, keep spreading the love of the hobby from your friends at Jelly Cards.